Turn with me to the book, the letter to the Ephesians, if you will. So turn with me to the letter to the Ephesians. The letter to the uh, Ephesians, uh, it's uh, something that I've been sharing. And uh, if you have a Bible with you, you might like to turn to it just for a moment or two. I want to um, speak briefly uh, on this. And I've said that when I'm speaking and we're inviting other ministries and other people to come and share with us as a church, I, I, I will be speaking from this letter and I'm taking a series in this letter uh, the Ephesians, it's called, entitled Ephesians, God's New Society. And uh, this morning, I, I, if you're writing anything down, I, I'm, my theme is open heart, open heaven. An open heart releases an open heaven and uh, God reveals himself to us. And uh, when we pray, prayer opens our hearts to all the riches of heaven. And that's what I want to go. Open heart releases um, an open heaven. So the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1. And uh, verse 15, and it reads like this. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. For far above all authority, power, dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the age to come, or the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head of everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So we're looking at this letter together. And uh, we know, we believe that the Bible, although this is something that's been written several thousand years ago, it's um, God's word and it's uh, applicable and practical and uh, uh, transforming and helpful for our lives today. And so that's why we want to look at this together. So for the next few moments, we're just going to share this. Um, I've been sharing that the, the, the letter to the Ephesians really has been written by a man called Paul and it's uh, God's eye view on life. The way that this is written, and we've started to unpack this together over the last few weeks, it's uh, a view on life from God's perspective. You can have a bird's eye view. It's if you climb up to a high mountain or a high point or a, a top of a peak, you have a bird's eye view. You can see into the distance from a high place. But when Paul writes this letter to a group of believers in a place called Ephesus, which is a, is a town in now modern-day Turkey, the coast of modern-day Turkey, he's writing it as if he's writing with a view from God's perspective, from a heavenly perspective, from a view from on God. And it's God's view on life. And in it, God, it's as if God gives a picture to this man, Paul, about a, a new world, a new life, a new people, and hence a new society, a new way of life. And this letter it, uh, maps out, shares a whole new perspective on life, how you and I can live life, how we can be new people. And how we can have a new life, a new marriage, a a new job, a new home. How we can have a completely new, transformed, revolutionary life in God and for God. We can be new people and it can be a new world. 
the universe is renewed. And it's an amazing picture that Paul gives on a whole world and a whole new way of life. Hence, I've called it uh, God's new society. Now, we've been looking and um, the first, this is, if you look at the letter to Ephesians, it's as uh, chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, and it's been um, put together in a way that we can now follow it. It would have been written as an open and straight letter. And chapters 1 to 3, uh, we've been sharing, deal with our position, your identity, who you are. And chapters 4 to 6 deal with practice, how we live out that identity, position and practice. I'm not going to labor that. I've spoken on this. And if you um, want to listen to anything that we share, if you have a smartphone, you can go on to iTunes. You can download for free everything that we share as church and what other people share when they come amongst us. If you want to go on to our church website, if you don't have a, a smartphone, you can go on to our church website, www.longeatonoasis.co.uk, and you can download or listen for free everything that we share. So enough said. And uh, you can find out a little bit of background to what we've been sharing up to this point. So last week I shared um, chapter 1, verses um, 3 to 14, and blessed beyond belief, how that we have a position, our position in God, our position in life, our identity in life, is that we are a, a, a people who have every spiritual blessing that God has for us. We are loved, adopted in the family of God, forgiven, redeemed. We have, uh, we've been lavished with God's love. And uh, this is what God says, you are blessed beyond all belief. And uh, our, our identity is that we are chosen people. You're not here by chance. You're completely loved by God, made by him. You're not a mess up. Um, a long time ago, someone very close to me said to me, You'd ne- Adrian, you'll never be anything. You'll never amount to anything. You're not someone, they thought they were trying to buck me up. They said, you're never going to come and amount to anything. They thought that was a good motivational talk. It wasn't. It made me a very bitter, twisted person for a little while before I became a Christian. But I became a Christian and I forgave the person that said that to me. I didn't harbor it in my heart anymore. And I began to realize that I was forgiven by God, loved by God, and I could be someone in God, and I was someone in God. And it changed my identity. And there is an understanding of a fresh identity that we have as people. And your identity, your position, will determine your practice, how you live your life. So I've met people that can, I've said, can look very, be attractive, be appealing to the eye perhaps, and um, they don't think they look very nice. I've met people that are very clever, good at their job, and they can say, I'm a screw-up, I'm no good at my job. It's how you think. So we've been looking at what does God think about you. It's not how I think, but what does God say about you? And from this letter to the Ephesians, we see what God says about you. Forgiven, redeemed, loved, lavished um, with the presence and love of God. So we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And so we... Hear this. Now, hearing something, though, is quite different from knowing something. You can hear someone say, I love you, but do you know it? You register that you hear it, but do you really know it? And hearing and knowing are, you know, two different things. Uh, There was a newspaper publisher, and his name was William Randolph Hearst. And this man, William Randolph Hearst, invested a fortune collecting art treasures. 
He was a very wealthy man, made a lot of money out of newspapers, and he would collect art treasures from around the whole world. And one day, he found an article in a, an art magazine, and treasure magazine, or whatever it was, of some, and he found some, some valuable art treasures. This article said there was this amazing art treasure. And so he said to his agent, the person who, property agent, and, uh, to go around, and um, to find it and buy it, because he wanted it, and he wanted it in his collection. And so this agent traveled around, and for several months, he went to look for this particular treasure that William Randolph Hearst has. And after several months, he went back to his boss, the agent did, and said, I found it. I've got it. I've got it. And after all that frantic searching, uh, his boss said to him, well, where is it? He says, you've got it. It's in your warehouse. You've had it all along. It's a true story. It's a true story. And uh, that can be like you and me. We can search for love and happiness and hope and forgiveness. And we can do this and we can do that and we can do all these things. And you've got it. As a Christian, you have got it. God has given it to you. All the treasures of heaven. Everything of heaven in the spiritual realms has been given to you and I. And we've absolutely got it in God. But having it. Now, Randolph Hearst had this in his warehouse He had it, but he didn't know it. And you and I as Christians, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you've given your heart to God, you say, I want to follow you, God. Forgive me, I want you in my life, I want to follow you. If you've given your heart to God, then your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you have all the treasures we've been reading and understand, all the treasure of heaven, you are now adopted in the family of God, you're an heir to all the treasure of heaven. It's yours. You can have it, but do you know it? And this is what Paul is saying as we come on to this next bit that I want to read. And we just want to unpack in just a few minutes right now. Paul prays a prayer that the believers might know all the riches of heaven in their lives. You see, you can have it, but do you know it? Like William Randolph Hearst. And the prayer that Paul prayed to those, for those believers to know, to know in their hearts, be unshakably, know that I know. You see, that I know that I know I am forgiven because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. Someone said to me, are you really sure? I would absolutely say to you, I'm absolutely, 100% sure. I am sure because the Bible tells me and I just know. I know that I know deep within my heart and spirit based on what Jesus Christ has done for me. And so Paul prays a prayer that the believers might know They might know him and all of his riches and all of his love and all of his forgiveness in their lives. And so he says there in verse 15, For this reason, ever since I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you and his glorious riches in the inheritance that we have. So that we know, Paul prays that the believers may know God, may know him and all that God has for us and all of who you are in God. You might really know in your heart, you might really know in your lives. You might hear it, you might hear that God loves you, but to really know it, Deep in here, right in the very centre of your heart and your spirit. 
And he goes on to say that you'll find this treasure that is heaven. So he says, therefore, and so I believe that that prayer that Paul prayed to know God and to really know who you and I are in God is just as important today as it was then. In actual fact, I meet a lot of Christians that don't act as if they know God. They live lives as if they don't know God. Their practice is in the position and it's a different position of knowing God. And so it's our knowledge of God that in our lives and who we are in God that seems to then come out in our marriage, come out in my job, come out in my attitude, come out in my love, and come out in my life. And so it's so important to know, to truly, truly know. And so Paul says that he, he says a few things. I just want to unpack these few things really quickly. He says, I pray that God will give you a spirit that you might know him, that he will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, it says there. It says there in that verse, it says, I ask that, it, that, that he will give you, give me thanks, remember you in my prayers, and keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You may know God better. That's a great prayer, to know God and to know him better in our lives. Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom. What does it mean to pray for wisdom? I think this is a great prayer. And you and I to pray for wisdom and revelation so that you and I can know God. That you and I can really know the riches of heaven. That you and I can really know who we are in God. I had to dig deep when I first became a Christian because I had a little voice in my head that said, no good, no good, no good. Even when I first became a Christian. But I dug deep and I thought and I prayed, what are you saying about me, God? You, you have called me, forgiven me, you love me, and now my name's written in the book of life. Therefore, I must be now good because of you, Jesus. So I'm good because of Jesus. And I began to pray and ask God to give me understanding and knowledge and wisdom of this. And it began to change my heart and change my life. And this is what Paul is saying here. Pray, I give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know God. Wisdom, the word wisdom there literally means um, the wisdom is to know what to do, when to do it, why. It answers questions what, when, why, and how. To have wisdom, it answers the question what, where, why, and how. It's to do with um, practical, ethical understanding for life. The word wisdom there, you think wisdom is like knowledge and understanding. But it literally means, and so we have wisdom literature in the Bible, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes. So God is, so he says, I pray that you might have wisdom, an understanding, an ethical, practical, to know what, when, why, and how for life, to be wise in God. And that's what he's basically saying there, is a sense of understanding. He says a spirit of wisdom then, and he says, he goes on to say, and revelation. The word revelation literally means to pull back a curtain. And reveal something that was unseen. If we, and if I say, uh, um, Tom, could you just pull back the curtain there, please? If you put it right back. Wow. So you pull back the curtain and the light floods into the bit. It's a nice sunny day today. It's cold, but it's sunny. So that's uh, practical. And the light comes in. And, uh, but, and you look outside and you see a beautiful day. And we're here on the inside in, in, in it's dark. You can't see what's great outside. And just that little curtain, and as soon as it's pulled back, light floods in. And to have revelation, it's literally like that. A revelation of God is, is in, in life. Have you ever spoken to someone they say, I just don't get it. Why do you go to church? What's all this church stuff about? 
God. I don't understand. How, how, is, how, where is God? Who is God? Where is God? How can you know God? It, to know God and to get it and to understand it, it takes a revelation. It takes a curtain to be pulled back. And you don't have to be special to have a curtain pulled back. God loves every single one of us. He wants the curtain to be pulled back in our understanding and in our hearts that we might see him. And so Paul prays, therefore, because it, our human nature doesn't just get it. There's, um, the Bible says our minds are now being clouded by the God of this age. It's as if it's, there's a curtain over our minds. And it's something as simple as that, a little old curtain. Not much, is it? But that little old curtain is keeping the light outside and you can't see behind, beyond my nose. But when that little old curtain, just that little old curtain, it's only it's this thin thing. There's not much to it. But when that curtain's pulled back, you can just, I, I can see it. And this is what Paul prays for, the, the curtain of your mind. Some of us have things in our hearts and minds. There's clutter, there's garbage, there's stuff, there's memories, there's thoughts, there's stuff that we don't like, there's stuff that we understand. There's views that we have, there's understandings that we have, there's views on life. And sometimes it's just some of that stuff needs to be pulled back. And that's what it means. And so Paul prays that you might have an opening so that you might have wisdom, a sense of understanding, and the curtain will be pulled back so that you can see God for who he really is. When I became a Christian, before I became a Christian at 20 years of age, I didn't believe in too much, although I just, I suppose I lived, I tried to live a decent life. I was brought up in a Catholic background, but I didn't really go to church or, or believe in much really. But when I became a Christian, I asked, I said, God, forgive me. I realize that I need you and I've lived a life for myself and I repent and I want you and I ask your forgiveness, Jesus, come into my life. The next day when I walked to um, college, I was training as a technician, electronic technician at that time. It was a cold, sunny day, and it just seemed brighter and lighter. And the sky seemed bluer. It's as if something just opened up to my mind. It's called revelation. And God wants to show you himself. And so Paul says, pray. And so, so if you want to see the riches of God, ask him to show you. If you want to see who you really are in God, ask him to show you. Paul said, pray for this revelation because there's so much that clouds our minds. That you might know, that you might have wisdom and revelation to do what? That you might know him better. Know God. The word know there isn't just a head knowledge, I know. But it's a heart knowledge that I know and that I feel as well. It's relational knowledge. The word know there means literally to relate to, to know. Um, it speaks of an um, intimate relationship. Um, it's a knowledge that comes from relationship, from the give and take of relationship, from the interaction of relationship. It's not just a knowledge I've read it in a book and I've heard about this God thing. The word that Paul uses is more than just I've read it in a book and I know about it. See, Use an illustration. I could go to George's. Uh, you could go um, to George's, or you've heard about George's, and I've and uh, uh, you, you're looking for a great chip shop, perhaps. And I've heard that George's chip shop is a great chip shop. And I can say to someone, George's is a. Is a I've I've heard from somebody that George's is a great chip shop. Go to it. It's a lo- local chip shop around it. It's a good one. Had some awards, etc. And I could say to you, you know, I know about this chip shop. Have a go. And then you could say to me, Well, I've have you been there? Have you tasted them? Have you? I said, no, but I've heard. I know. Or I could say to you, hey, I've been to this chip shop. It's great. I've been there. It tastes great. It, it's et cetera, et cetera. And I've been there. Go there. I know. And the no that Paul is talking about here is I've been there. 
I know, I've tasted. Taste and see, the Lord is good, says the Bible. And so what he says here is that knowledge, it's, it's the knowledge between, of a man and wife. They know one another. There's interaction, they talk, there's relationship, there's give and take. And this is a, the, a, an intimate, a deep relational love uh, knowledge. And so what Paul says there is that you might have wisdom and revelation, that the veil of your heart and lives may be opened, that you might have a loving, living, loving relationship Better with God. Know him better. That's the best prayer in the world to pray. That I might know God. Better. Show yourself God. And that's how I became a Christian. I remember asking God to show himself as I read the book of Revelation. I read the pages of the Bible. I said, I don't really understand this. But I ask you to show yourself to me. And so to be revealed. So he says, I pray that your eyes of your heart, he goes, he goes on to enlighten us a little bit more and he expands on this understanding of revelation. He goes on to say, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart enlightened. What's he on about there? Christianity is a faith that comes from what we call the East. Uh, in the it's not from the west it's from um, is, is, in Semitic Israel and in Eastern understanding uh, Eastern understanding was of um, the heart being the center of life in Western understanding we're cerebral we're mi- the mind is everything it's about knowledge learning and academia and in the Western world it's the mind the brain so it, we are sort of very cerebral but in the East it's more about the heart the center of the heart of, of western understanding is the mind but in the east the center of life is the heart and when we speak of the heart they don't just mean the the organ that pounds away it's really speaking of your mind and your emotions and your will and your personality that which makes you you it's more of a, what we would call a holistic view of life a whole view of life and when i say holistic don't run for cover i'm not being new age i'm saying it's whole uh, this is being sort of hijacked by the new age. But uh, God makes us whole living beings. He formed us from the earth. He then breathed in life and we become a living being, a whole being. Body, soul, spirit being, a whole being. And so there's this understanding that the heart is this idea of mind, emotions, will, you, personality, you being you. And he prays that with our whole being we become enlightened. The lights get switched on. Ding, you think, I get it. It's as if something gets switched on. You get it. It's God reveals himself to us and shows us the riches that we have. Um, The heart is so important. It says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In Proverbs 4, 23, guard your hearts. There are a wellspring of life. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, when we pray, um, uh, peace of God will guard our hearts. And so the heart is the center. In, in Christian understanding, in biblical understanding, it's not your brain, but it's your heart. It's the, the heart is the gateway to uh, The heart is this gate to life, the wellspring of life, as we think in our heart. So the, the thinking, feeling, emotions, being, understanding, personality is at the very center of our lives. And, and so what Paul says is, I pray that your whole life, thinking, feeling, emotions, your whole understanding, you, you'll, you'll know God more, better. God will reveal, turn on the lights of your life and show you. And it, it's, it's something you can't make happen. It's something you would just say, God, show yourself. And he does because he delights. He wants to. God loves you. You are his creation. 
There's no, we don't have to work hard at it. It's done already. You just got to turn the lights on. Ask him. It's a great prayer. The same prayer today. He says, I pray. Uh, and he go, then, then goes on to say, the hope of um, the glorious rich inheritance. I pray that your eyes of your heart might be opened and that you might know the hope of your riches, glorious inheritance. The word hope there means that you might know a sure expectation. If I, if I say as a Christian, I'm hoping in God, we use Christian hope, it's a sure foundation. It's not, oh, I hope so. I'm clinging on. For, you know, it might not happen. It might, it might be. This is a, an expectation of trusting in God. It's a hope. And he goes on to say that, pray that your eyes may be open to the hope. You know, we often sing songs about having a hope that's sure, that with an anchor for our souls. And, you know, today many people anxious, you know, with anxiety is a big thing. Doctors are telling us today, well, there's something, there's, a, there's an anchor, there's an expectation in God that will actually um, do good to your heart and life and your mind and your emotions. And it comes and says, I pray that you might be open to this. You might know God better. You might know this hope of the inheritance that you have. If I said to you, you've got an inheritance, I think all of us, maybe, maybe some of you had. Maybe some of you are looking forward to an inheritance. I don't know. But um, maybe some of you have not got an inheritance. But if we say that we, there's an inheritance, you're getting, are you getting ready for your inheritance? Or are you putting something inside for your children for an inheritance? You know, people make provision today. This idea of in coming into an inheritance, you know, it can sometimes save us in life when you, you've, some, you know, there's an inheritance that comes your way. Um, but there is a, as a Christian, God gives us an amazing, we are, adopted into the family of God and we have all the benefits of heaven and we have that inheritance. All of heaven is our inheritance. All of God's goodness and forgiveness. The thing is, we just don't always get it. We don't understand it fully. And so this is why Paul says, pray that you might know, you might have an understanding of an inheritance that God has for you now in your life today. He says, and this inheritance is like the working of his power, he goes on to say. It says, the power that raised Christ from the dead. If he goes on a bit further, look, it says, that power, so I pray that you might know, is incomparable great power for all of us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, verse 20, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, God has the power. God has the power to show us. God has the power to intervene in our lives. God has the power to help you understand. God has the power to intervene and come into our hearts and lives and work and family. And Paul says that this power is like the power that he used when he raised Christ from the dead. We have a hope. We believe in the, we, when we die, it's not the end, but we are raised from the dead. We, Jesus came back and showed himself alive. And we have this hope of the resurrection to eternal life. And the power that raised Jesus from the dead, Paul says, that same power is for you. That's pretty incredible. But he said, I want you to understand and know this because we don't. We don't act like we know it. How do we not know it? Because we don't always act like we know it. And so Paul says, I pray that you might, might know, understand this power. The word power there is a word which literally means potential for miracles. It's a word called dynamis. It's a Greek word because the Bible is written, New Testament written in Greek. And it means this, like dynamite. Transliteration of that word is dynamite. The transliteration, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, of that word dynamis or that word power is dynamite. So, so this power is like dynamite. 
in your heart and life. I'm not doing the word justice because God's power is incomparable. It's incredible. It's amazing. But he prays that we might know, in other words, this within our hearts and lives. Why do we need to know this today? I'm coming to a conclusion now. Why do we need this same prayer? It's a great prayer to pray. Why do we need to know it today? Because life is not just material. The world in which we live, it's material. If you touch yourself, you know, I'm here, we're we're material. But life isn't just material. Life is also has a, what we call a spiritual dimension. And so in this letter, Paul again and again says, speaks about you're blessed in the heavenly realms. You'll be raised into eternal life. And so the world in which we live is both material and spiritual. It's heavenly and earthly. God is a heavenly God and yet we're here on this earth. Jesus prayed a prayer. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's this understanding that we are both material and a heaven. There's material and spirit. I tell you what, today there is now such um, an interest in spiritual things. that the Things like the occult is big business. Mind, body and, and, and spirit. Or uh, uh, is, If you go to the mind, body and spirit section in any bookshop, it's huge. It's as big as the DIY section. Because there's this understanding, people crave the spiritual life as well as the material life. And it goes back to the fact that in Genesis, in the very first book of the Bible, we read that God made man and woman from the dust of the earth, formed them from the material. Then it says that when he did that, he then breathed the breath of life of God into them. That's his spirit. And so the material and the spirit are one in humanity with Adam and Eve. And then when mankind fell, there comes a rupture with the, the spirit and the material realm. But in Christ, we're reading, in Christ, that God is now bringing everything back into unity together as one body, soul, and spirit. Now, the thing is this. We are material people. And the age in which we live now says that there is no God. Atheism says there is no God. And humanism says that human beings are in the place of God. We are the cleverest. We're on the top of the the uh, pecking order, as it were, on the face of this planet. So we're in control. We are the captains of our soul. That's what humanism says. But if we are Christians, we, and have a, we don't have a... Well, our worldview, I'm giving a different worldview now. This is counter to the culture in which we live. The worldview that we understand is, I believe that there is a God, and God has created you and me. And in that creation, the, there is a, therefore a spiritual as well as a material realm. And so Christ restores the realm of the spirit and the material together. But we can get so weighed down by that which is earthly. The things of this age. We can't hide our heads in the sand and say, you know, I don't need things. I'll go and hide myself away. I don't need money. I don't have to have a car. Well, we do. We have these things. We're in the material. So there's nothing wrong with the material. I'm just saying there's a spiritual dimension as well. And it's that realm. And because we are in the material realm, you're sitting on a seat you're probably thinking about your dinner right now. And if it is, is it, how, how cooked is it? You, you've got financial things to pay off and things to do. You've got problems at work. You know, there's sickness in our body. There's all sorts of things. We're living in the material. And that's pressing in our needs of life. Of course it is. And that's true. And that's just. But there's also the spiritual realm as well. But the material is so pressing. But this is why Paul says, I pray that you might also see into the realm of the spirit. Because God is both in the 
in the material and in the spirit realm. And this is why we need to pray this prayer. As Christians, we also need to have our hearts opened to the riches that there are in the realm of the spirit for you and me. But we can get so weighed down by the earthly. We need to know God in our lives, in our jobs, in our marriages, in our situations, in the midst of your anxiety, my fears, upsets. I need to know God in them. God can break into the material. Jesus said that we might, his kingdom will come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this is why Paul says, pray this way that you may know this in your hearts and in your lives. It comes through Christ. And so when we pray, so Paul prays that you might know God more. In other words, cut a long story short. You might know God. When we pray, we communicate with God. We speak to God and we hear him. And as you communicate, it's when you talk to your wife or your husband that your relationship grows. And it's that as we pray and we talk to God and we hear God that our relationship grows, that we know him better and he knows us. And that the lights come on and the veil in our hearts and lives um, is revealed and we see God. This morning... We need, do you need to see God in your job? Do you need to see God in your marriage? Do you need to see God in our church? In your fears? God can be in, with you. The Bible says that God is with us, amongst us. We just need to see him, know him, apprehend, feel him. We're going to pray together right now. Let's pray. I'm going to ask you to do something. It says that you, and if you're comfortable with this, join me with this. It's just something symbolic. But uh, I'm going to ask you to, uh, if you will, would you just stand with me? We're going to close right now. We're going to pray together. And my prayer is that we might know. My prayer is that you may know God for your life, in your home, in your marriage, in your home, in your life, with your children, bringing up your children, in your job, that you might know all the riches of God. You might know the love of God, that you might know God. I pray that you will know God in your life, not only in your mind, but in your heart as well right now. And this is the prayer that Paul prayed that we might know. And we're going to pray that same prayer. And he says that you might know this in your heart, the wellspring of life. So I'm going to ask you to do something with me. Would you put your hand over your heart? There's some, when I worship and I sing and I love God, I, there's something I've discovered. For me, there's a symbolic act. Very often as I'm worshiping and singing and loving God, I have my hand over my heart. It's something I've discovered in the last probably 18 months or so when I worship, and you don't have to do this all the time, but I find that my identification, when I'm singing to God, I'm often, and I'm saying that like, I love you, Lord, or you've captivated me, I will often identify my heart. And like you are now, we're putting our hands on our hearts in, with the American allegiance to the republic and life and God, and the, they put their hands and they give their hearts. And what we're saying right now, we're identifying. And I say, God bless you for identifying your heart. I don't know if you've got a broken heart. I don't know. Mixed heart. Maybe you're struggling to really understand, is there a God? Maybe you need God in your marriage, home, children. Maybe you need to, we need to know the riches of God's love. Uh, That's a great prayer. Know it, feel it, get bowled over. God says it lavishes over, God is generous. And Paul prays that we might know the lights come on. And this morning, Lord, as we identify our lives before you, we put our hands over our hearts. And what we're saying is we want to know God better. 
I pray that we and I and that we might know, might know you with all the fullness of who you are in our hearts and lives this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will reveal yourself to me and to us. I happen to believe that you're going to do some amazing miracles in people's lives. I pray that in some marriages that are perhaps tense at times, struggle, show yourself, Lord. In some fears, reveal yourself. Financial difficulty, show yourself, Father. Prayers that have been unanswered for a long time, reveal yourself. Direction, hope in life, show yourself, Lord. Love, mercy, kindness, show yourself, Lord. Let forgiveness be released in an amazing measure in my life and in my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.